Welcome to the Person, Partner, Parent podcast. We're all about pursuing a life where you can be a great parent, enjoy a loving relationship, and chase your own dreams. It's not necessarily about equal balance, but shifting with change and challenges that come before us. It's about discerning what matters and what we need to focus on. I am your host, Nancy Elizabeth. I'm a mom of two small humans and one fur baby. I'm a partner of 15 years and wife of nine. I'm an engineer who didn't want the corporate world, but armed with a love of research, I became a self-improvement enthusiast who has a burning desire to experience life in its fullest. Now I'm ready to take what I've learned, bring in the experts, and help us all figure it out. Let's get started. Person, partner, parent, family, we have a special bonus in the episode today. I'm so excited that I'm sitting here with Katie Casada. Hi, Katie. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you're making the time to spend with us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I'm Katie. I currently live in Orange County, California with my husband, Danny, and my two girls, Gracie and Lane, who are four and one. Um, Sweet little cuties. And I'm a storytelling coach, so I help people and companies tell better stories. And it's kind of a job that happened through a wild series of events that I pretty much made up, is the truth. Um, But now it's working, and so I love doing it, and it's such a fun thing to hear people's stories and help them tell better stories and public speak and storytell and all those kinds of things. So it's kind of an odd job wrapped into a lot of things, but I love doing it. I think it's so awesome. And every time I tell somebody about you, because you're so amazing, I do. And I'm like a storytelling coach. Like, what is it? And I'm like, she really helps people tell their story, whether it be in a corporate setting, a business, a brand or an individual. Mm -hmm. In my view, I'm like that you help people communicate with meaning, connection and ease is what I made your tagline from my point of view. (laughs) I'm going to write that down and I'm going to put that on my website. So that's great. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I'm that good at copy yet, but I am working on it. And you are helping me um, form my own stories, which is awesome. Today, we're here for something really cool and special that I've seen you working on, and we're here to talk about a tradition that started for you with birthday dinners. Would Mm -hmm. you tell us your story about that? Yeah, years ago, um, I don't even know when it really started, but um, we got into the habit as a core group of friends, like, I don't know, maybe eight years ago, Um, we started to toast on birthdays. Everyone around the table would toast to the birthday girl, birthday man adult, kid, whatever. We'd all toast on birthdays. Um, And then it became so much the part, a part of the DNA of our friend group that everyone knew that when it was your birthday, everyone was going to toast. And I just ended up hosting (laughs) those times because I was the one who started toasting. Um, And then I, it just became a part of our friend group. And now it's such an intrinsic part of our family. My kids toast, my family toasts. We toast to Tuesdays and to birthdays and to any days. Um, And it's just a big part of who we are. And so uh, in the last couple of months, I've been thinking about, oh, what's a little little mini course I could create that would really help everyday storytelling? 
Um, And how that was born was I was like, oh, wait, something that I believe is an everyday storytelling tool is actually the ability to give a toast. So I launched this course called Holiday Toasting. It comes out actually next week. Um, And it really is just a super simple this week, I guess. Yeah, this week. It actually is really just a very, very simple five module e-course on the basics of toasting, toasting do and don'ts, how to give a good toast, why we toast. And then in the end, you can craft and write the perfect toast. So it's just been a sweet connection to know like, oh, it's just such a huge part of who we are. And it's created such meaningful moments that I really wanted to share it with the world. That is so cool. Why do you feel like um, toasts are such an important moment? And how do you think they can help us honor our loved ones? Yeah, I think we kind of tend to shy away from speaking publicly about people we love because we don't Mm. want to embarrass them or we like don't want to sound awkward ourselves. Like, oh, that he's going to think this is weird. Do you think this is weird? Am I weird? Are we all staring at each other? Um, But when those, right, exactly. (laughs) But when those insecurities and like the fear that we're going to like, you know, make someone feel uncomfortable, when all those kinds of things kind of come to play, we end up not creating these really special moments. Whereas what I've seen now over the last eight years of toasting, you know, nearly weekly, but definitely at every life event, is that even if for a little while someone you love feels awkward, they are always grateful. Um, And it creates a moment. It, It really does create a meaningful moment together at the table. In the book, The Art of Gathering, which is an amazing book by Priya Parker, she says that the best gatherings that we have as humans, we know why we're gathering. So if you have a really great gathering, then you have a point to it. Yeah. And toasting, I believe, is the easiest way to create a point. Like, oh, Mm. we're here to celebrate that we're grateful. We're here to celebrate that it's your birthday. We're here to celebrate the fact that you're a really good dad. Whatever that is, no matter what that looks like, toasting is kind of like this way for one person to say, hey, good thing we all got together and here's why. And it just creates this meaning in this story. I I really do believe it creates a story for an event in a Mm. way that you maybe wouldn't have in the past. You know, all of us have been like, why are we even doing this? Why are we getting together? What's happening? You know, we feel kind of lost sometimes. But toasting really signifies and creates a meaningful moment where it's so easy. Yeah, it's just such an easy way to do that. That is so awesome. I, and I think it is. People have these feelings of fear and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And so if you can help guide us through like, oh, what if I say the wrong thing? Or you kind of talked about it's funny about killing the vibe. Yes. And I can imagine mm-hmm. if it's like a fun get together and then you go super serious mm-hmm. or if it's a very somber event and you're the one cracking the jokes and like, oh, the timing there. Mm-hmm. So what are some of like what's at the center of a good toast? Like, what's the number one thing we should probably know going into a toast? Yeah, I think up there is definitely the timing of a toast. Mm. So a great toast happens when everyone is present Mm -hmm. and at the table and has their food. So there's this really magical moment where like everyone's already standing. They've already gotten their drinks. They have refills. Everyone's sitting. Everyone's about to eat. And then you have this really beautiful moment too. And then when everyone's eating and hanging out, you know, there's a, there's an extended period of time for this to happen. But right when everyone's sitting and eating, you know, you just pick up a glass and clink your ring against it and or your, you know, a glass uh, like a fork and you just stand up and say, I'd like to give a toast. And what's amazing about toasts, and I tell my clients this all the time, is that there aren't many times where you get to give a 10 second talk. Like, you know, we either give these 45 minute presentations or we never speak in front of anyone at all. Whereas toasting is actually this magical middle space where you have an audience and you get to tell a great story and it only lasts 30 seconds. And the best part is everyone knows how to end a toast. Yeah, it just ends exactly. with cheers, 
right? I mean, it's the easiest, exactly. Like if you feel lost, if things are getting weird, if the vibe gets odd, you get to just stop and say, anyways, cheers. It's the most beautiful out. (laughs) Exactly. So it really is, it it really creates a moment and honors people. And especially I go over a lot of this in the course in the do's and don'ts module. Mm. But if you are the host of an event, then you should toast. If you are not the host, you need to toast to the host. Ah. So that's like a baseline fact with toasting. Like if you're going to stand up and give a toast and you're at someone else's house, the first thing you say is thank you so much to the host and you shine the light on the host. Then you can shine the light on whoever's birthday it is or whoever, whatever you want, you know, to here's to the worst year ever, whatever that is, but (laughs) always toast to the host first. So there's lots of, I go over six do's and six don'ts in the course, like really baseline things that you can work through to kind of create a really meaningful toast. But yeah, it is. It is totally possible to give a great toast, to not kill the vibe, and to tell a great story that honors people that you love. Awesome. And for those of us who may be thinking like, oh, great, toasts are great, but we're a group that doesn't all consume alcohol or whatever. Mm -hmm. And isn't that necessary? Good. Mm -hmm. No, the number one don't in my e-course is do not centralize toasting around booze. So that is literally number one. Like that... And I start off saying that because I, some of my favorite toasts I've ever received or given were at coffee shops or were kids' birthday parties. My sweet four-year-old Gracie, her little best friend who's five, his birthday was on Sunday of last week, a week ago. And she said, we all toasted to Vincent, who's five on his fifth birthday. Everyone had their little thermoses. Oh my gosh. And she raised her thermos (laughs) and like my kids are very used to toasting. And she raised her thermos and said, Vincent, um, even when you're mad at me, you ask me if I'm okay. And like all of the parents were like, (laughs) oh, my gosh, that was like a very special thing that she just realized about him, that he is like a truly empathetic person. And I was like, that would be an unbelievable toast for an adult to give. Like that is a beautiful word. And she gave that toast and, you know, we all said cheers. And so it has it, it really is totally decentralized from alcohol, even though that's how it originated. And that's where it obviously plays out most most often is with champagne and all of the above. But I believe that toasting actually can just become a part of our cultural norms and eating and in celebrating and in, you know, all of those things. So definitely detach it from booze. They are not one and the same. I love that. I love and I love the community around the table and gathering is so important mm-hmm. and Obviously, I mean, we have to mention this year, the gathering is going to be either smaller or different. Do you have any advice? Is there anything kind of special when you're in a Zoom environment and you're trying Mm -hmm. to gather all these voices on various Mm -hmm. screens? Is there a toasting on Zoom special tip or etiquette? Um, Yeah, I mean, I definitely have done it many times this year. I, I mean, I would say if you are the one who's giving a toast, you say, I want to give a toast and you can like raise your glass, you know, in the screen, I would mute, ask everyone else to mute or just mute <laughs> everyone so they can hear you. And then I think it's, it would be pretty reg- similar to a regular toast, you know, say what you need to say. Great toasts are always under a minute, Ooh. but I'd say under 30 seconds even. Ooh, okay. I go over in, I go over in the e-course that Mark Twain once said that no toast should be over a minute. Which, like, if Mark Twain is going to say that, you know, like, he's got some words. So, yeah, it's short and sweet. And then I think you kind of should slow down on a Zoom and speak really clearly and confidently and say something honest and true and hopeful and good. Mm. Speak really positively. Some of the don'ts that I go over in the e-course, which are very, very important, are that toasting should never be a time for roasting or for a negative story or for any of that. Like, we just don't have time for that. It's just a waste of time. So just go lean way more into like, what is the truest, most hopeful thing I could say to this group of people? When you start to ask that question, it really turns into a more beautiful toast. 
Oh, I'm excited. This is going to be good. I'm definitely going to join in on that because I, all you're just hitting all the things I could even think of. It's so good. How about in your experience of all your years and tradition of hosting, what is the most unique or uncommon thing that maybe you've toasted to? Maybe the most fun mm-hmm. thing? Um, there was a season where a lot of our very close friends were all quitting working at the same place. Oh. So we were all working at the same place and then it got unhealthy. And so we kind of each started to quit back to back. And so there was like a string of parties that we threw and we all toasted to better endings. So we like cheers to quitting for months. Like, you know, the next person who would quit, we'd all come to the RV. I lived in an RV and I'd host these parties and we would toast to really important endings. And that was a really sweet season, I think, for all of us, because then when the next person did it, it really felt so sacred. Like they were a part of something. And because, you know, when you leave something, you feel like such a grief that that transition is so important and sitting in that is so important. So those were some sweet, that was a sweet season of toasting to that. And then I mentioned this in the e-course too, but I, I feel I've always felt a real weight of the fact that the only things that we celebrate are like graduations, Mm. like weddings, babies. Like those are the only things you get your own parties for outside of birthdays. Mm. And it's like so many people never experience any of those things. Yeah, um, like, very true. You know, so many of my friends are single, you know, and 35 or... And deserve to be honored for awesome exactly, things that they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. And even if that means they got a new job or they bought a house, you know, like these things that are like really <laughs> special, right? That, you know, you don't throw a party for them, even though they absolutely deserve it. Toasting you kind of should. Exactly. You totally should. <laughs> and toasting, I feel like, has always been this cool way to say like, oh, you know, we're going to come over. You just bought your house. Your house is empty. You know, you're single. But you did this amazing thing. We're all going to come over and bring champagne or Martinelli's and sit on your floor and just toast to like the new house you have. Like, so it's just kind of creating a meaningful moment and honoring someone in something because there really is, I think, a big loss to the fact that we celebrate these three things over and over and over again, you know, and then there's people who do graduate and get married and then have six baby showers, you know, they get 19 Mm. parties thrown for them and there's people who get none. So (laughs) just kind of equalizing that I think is important. You know, it's kind of pausing me to reflect. Um, My husband is military Mm -hmm. and they actually do a really good job of this. They regularly have events where they get together. They'll either have a gathering in their unit or there's um, clubs and stuff on base where they do this. But yeah, they have a lot of traditions centered around sometimes their songs and they're silly and their things, but they have they take these moments to yes. mark different moments in their career, achievements, things they've been through together. And that really solidifies that feeling of family. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it, it is about like knowing your place inside of a community, you know, and creating that meaning and that connection. And I think that's so true, even with, I mean, I think it's so, it's so important that the military does like, you know, um, certain passages of time and, you know, understanding when you move on to the next thing and when you acquire the next rank and all of those things, you know, I don't have enough words to say any of those things, but (laughs) I think, you know, military, army, people, you know, I don't have any, um, I don't have enough, I don't know about it, but I really do think that those kinds of things are what we need to copy, you know, from the military. We need to say, oh, wait, there's something here that's creating community and connection and really creating meaning making that is important to who we are as humans. And we have to figure out how to do that outside of those spaces. Yeah, because of all the flaws that they have. I mean, creating a family when Mm -hmm. you are inevitably away from your family is one of the strengths. It has been an amazing experience in that regard. Yeah. And for everyone who we know who's retired, that that's just one of the I mean. You gain a lot of things, but missing that community is yeah. one of the big pulls. So that's that makes cool. Sense. 
I thank you for making me reflect on that today. Yeah. That's, um, I'll go give my husband some kudos. Totally. <laughs> so can you tell us where are we going to be able and how can we find your course this upcoming week? Um, it's going to be on katiecasada.com, which is my website and my name. My last name is Q-U-E-S-A-D-A, kind of like uh, quesadilla. Um, and my Instagram at katiecasada, and you'll be able to log on there and find it. And it's going to just be $27. It's affordable. You can sit down Sweet. at your computer and watch just four videos and four PDFs and really reflect on who you want to toast to, how you want to toast. One of the things that we go over in the course is that Thanksgiving tends to be circled around gratitude and Christmas tends to be circled around hope. And so Mm. you already have these themes going into both of these times that at Thanksgiving you get to stand up and yes, say some things you're grateful for, but I would have you to take it one step farther. Like in a year like this year, our yep. gratitude is a little bit different and it feels different. And the people that we are gathering with are for sure way more important than they used to be, you know, and, or we see them way more often or way less often, you know, depending on who you see and when, or yep. if you're, or if you're gathering over zoom, like what a great way to create a moment over zoom. So that it's not like this really awkward, super long two hour dinner where everyone's on a computer. Yeah. But instead, you know, like, okay, we're going to we're going to go together for 20 minutes on Thanksgiving over Zoom and grandpa is going to give a toast and anyone else who wants to toast on something they're grateful for. We would really appreciate that. So kind of creating and opening that moment is huge. And then in Christmas, you know, it's there is the central theme of hope that you can take and say, oh, wait, I already know what to toast to. This is what it is. So in the course, there's actually a Thanksgiving toast and a Christmas toast. It's like Mad Libs. So you just write in the word, you know, like your family or whoever you want. So you can have those and they're already done. So you don't have to make anything up. You don't have to memorize anything. It's like, this is three sentences just to say like, here's to what I'm grateful for in 2020. You know, in the midst of such a hard year, I'm thankful that I get to sit around the table with you. And it's, it's just really about like, yeah, bringing honor and love to the people at the table. Oh, that is awesome. That's so good. And I love having the purpose to the Zoom because we're trying to navigate that. I have a massive family of like 30 something cousins. (laughs) And so like maybe we can just do like dessert and toasts. Like short, manageable. There's like 18 great grandbabies. So short. Oh my gosh. Yes. Important. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, on that note, Katie, would you toast to our fellow person, partner, parent community that's out there? I mean, would you toast us out today? Yes. Um, if you have a glass that you're holding while you're listening to this podcast, you can just hold it, you know, even though no one can see you. I, I, I believe you're there um, holding your glass. And here's the great thing about the structure of a toast. It always starts with here's two. Mm-hmm. And then you just say something meaningful in the middle. I break this down really simply in the e-course. And then in the end, you get to say cheers. Um, so I think awesome. I would say here is to whoever is listening out there. Because you're already listening to this podcast, you're doing a great job. And you're clearly trying to grow in who you are as a person and a parent and a partner. May this year be one where you get to look back and be proud of yourself. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. It's just a simple little cheers. Thank you to your community. I'm so glad I was a part of it. Thank you, Katie. I can't wait to see this course and hopefully hear more from you in the future. Hello and welcome back to the Person, Partner, Parent podcast. Guys, I miss you. It's been a while since I've sat down on this microphone. I batch work, so I do a bunch of episodes at once and then I I edit and record and work on things for the next couple of months. So I've been out of the seat for a hot minute. I definitely have missed you guys. Oh, the holidays. 
for the planner in the family? This means costumes, decor, candy, parties, school events, meal planning, reserving or buying a turkey, sides, allergies, specialty ingredients, travel plans, cleaning house, new sheets for guests, cleaning the closet out. Do we even have guest towels? Packing, planning, buying, table decor, gratitude activities, trying to teach the children about Thanksgiving in a way that they might not hear otherwise. Accurate Thanksgiving education. Food drives, turkey trot, outfits, family photo shoot, holiday wish list, buying gifts for kids, spouse, parents, siblings, coworkers, friends, kids' friends, kids' teachers, parties, fundraisers, recitals, shows, and pageants, Christmas cards, more decor, more theme parties, cookie exchanges, gift exchanges, making memories, hot cocoa parties, more meal planning, party planning, religious services, traditions, gift wrapping, shipping, more guest room preparations, Travel preparations, planning, car seats, diapers, warm clothing, New Year's party. Okay, did I list enough? (laughs) And none of that that I listed adds in the pandemic considerations that either complicates or simplifies this list incredibly. If you are the planner or the keeper of the invisible load in your household, You're probably thinking of your individual situation right now and listing things in your head. You're like, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I got this. I got that. I got this. And we also have Johnny's recital and we also have this event and, oh, we're also renovating our kitchen. Great timing. Or maybe you're like me and you had an oh shit moment and you began remembering things and started adding them to the lists that you forgot about. You're like, oh man, I forgot about the turkey trot. We have to register for the virtual turkey trot and make sure we can get our medals in time. And oh yeah, are the shipping deadlines different this year? Wasn't something weird going on with the postal service? Yeah. So that might be going through your head if you are the planner in your family. Now, these things aren't bad. I'm not trying to make it sound like school holiday fundraisers, holiday or dance recitals, gathering with friends, in a safe way, that these are bad. These are all good and wonderful celebrations. If they fit in with the values for your family, if they bring you or someone very dear to you joy, if you leave the holidays feeling like you have whiplash, tired, exhausted, drained, like it all flew by so fast and you couldn't keep up, like you didn't get a moment to soak it in, Or it was awesome and wonderful and joyous, but you wish it wasn't so exhausting or so much work or that now you're feeling depleted and like you didn't do what brings you simple joy or that you did a hundred things, but you don't feel like you made any meaningful memories. Or it was such a blast and you made all the memories and it was great, but you wish you had had help. It would have been that much better if you had had help. Then today I'm speaking to you. As we enter this season, I want you to enter it with intention. Of course, this year is going to look so different anyway. We're all trying to figure that out. It feels like we can't plan further than a week ahead, which is difficult for the planners. California just went up into the purple tier, um, which means more restrictions. And Everyone's really evaluating if traveling is wise, not wise. If you don't have to travel and your family's nearby, do you gather? Do you not? Bless. We are all trying to just figure it out. 
but maybe we can use that as a gift. It's a perfect time to change things up, to evaluate what works, to figure out what doesn't, to eliminate what doesn't, and you have great excuses. You can just continue to use the pandemic as an excuse. Oh, can't do that pandemic. Don't feel like doing that pandemic. (laughs) So what I did is came up with a system a system of figuring out what are your goals for the holiday? What do you want it to look like? All right, now let's list everything we got. Let's figure out all the things that we actually do for the holiday. We'll guide you through so you can reach deep into the cobwebs of your brain and realize all the things that you actually do that you might not realize that aren't the physical day-to-day tasks. And then we'll go through and we'll match that against our goals for the year We'll eliminate what doesn't serve us or others in various ways. And then we'll partner with our partner. And in a way, figure out what works best for us. What's going to help us get to our end goal, how we want to feel, how we want the holiday to look. Let's team up and tackle this season. Let's make the sprint into the new year a leisurely stroll. Okay, it's it's 2020, so maybe a, a speed walk, <laughs> but still enough that we can slow down and savor and enjoy time with family because we need the joy right now. All right, so let's get started. The first thing we need to figure out is let's imagine our holiday. What are your goals for the holiday season? Maybe it's to connect with extended family. Maybe it's to connect and be present with your immediate family. Maybe it's giving to others, doing things for others. Maybe it's observing religious tradition, connecting spiritually, relaxing, having fun, making memories, upholding long-lasting family traditions, doing all the things and maybe making all the Instagram-worthy moments, decorating the cookies, the gingerbread house, decorating to a tea, wrapping the presents. Look, I'm not here to say what is and isn't or what should or shouldn't be a part of your holiday. It's whatever makes you happy. It's whatever makes you and your family joyful. Be specific and be honest. It's what you want from the holiday, not the expectations of others. I do encourage you to check in with other household members. What do they want? What do they need? What do they envision? Our ideal holiday may not match our partners or our children's. We don't need to match the needs of outside our household, but if we have different ideas within, I think it's really important that we at least make an effort to honor all of those and try to find balance if our goals vary widely. So after you figure out what your goals are, what your partner's goals are, what your kids are, and and, okay, granted, like you may be thinking, oh my gosh, my kids are going to say they want every toy and they want to do every activity. They might, (laughs) and we as parents can filter that, but like they also may say, hey, mom and dad, I just want to sit and play games with you. Like, I just want to be with you. I want to watch a ton of movies. Like, I think we can be surprised by our kids' answers sometimes, especially the teenagers. I'm not there in parenting yet. I still feel like I'm closer to being a teenager than a parent of one. Maybe no longer true, but it might be, hey, I need to reconnect with my friends. Holidays with friends, it's you're at that age where you're starting to make those deep connections outside of your household, and I think it's important as parents that we help nurture and honor that, especially in pandemic. It's got to be hard for the teens. So maybe we can help them find a way to connect with their friends. 
or safely visit with their friends. So ask each household member, be open to it, collect, filter in the most important, and make your family goals for the holiday season. So the next thing we need to do is audit. It's a fun word, isn't it? (laughs) This is where you make your lists. Yes, lists, plural. I suggest you make one for each holiday you celebrate. Lisk each task from planning to buying to making, decorating, doing, going. List them. List every included side event that typically comes up. A work party, a team sport party, a class party, various church and community gatherings. For each member of the family, really think this through. Oh, is that list getting longer now? List all of the things. Do the kids need new outfits? Your husband a new shirt or button sewn on that blazer that he wears once a year? Where do you find a free-range, sustainable, cruelty-free tofu turkey? Making cookies, wrapping, delivering, recitals, rehearsals, etc. Meal preparation. Do you need to coordinate with family? Do you need to get family recipes? Do you need to censor Aunt Karen? List both the physical tasks and those mental to-dos. The things you worry about etc. Because that mental load counts too. And that's a big part of this holiday that in every day-to-day task and every household management, I think our partners, many partners are awesome about coming to meet us. Many partners are awesome in saying, hey, I want to be here. I want to do more. I want to do 50-50. And you guys divide up the house tasks and you're like, great, my partner is 50-50 with me. We're an egalitarian household. This is awesome. Why am I still burnt out? Because I think what happens is we didn't also divide up the mental load. We didn't take stock of, we didn't take lists, we didn't audit. What are the mental things that we really carry? Look at items on your list, go back and see if there's other subtasks underneath that that you didn't list. Maybe you you listed wrapping, okay? Who's going to buy the wrapping paper? Who's going to do the wrapping? Who's going to hide presents if that's part of what you do? Shipping, packaging, wrapping, addressing, dropping off, buying postage, whatever you need to do. What are the different steps? Family photo, finding the photographer, booking the date, outfits for the kids, trying to get everyone dressed, ready, (laughs) snacks, whatever you need to do. Do you need props? Ordering the prints, ordering the pictures, ordering the cards, addressing the cards, figuring out whose addresses you need to update. I mean, there's a lot of little things that go into various tasks, right? So go through that. To the best of your ability, write down all the things. It should be revealing to you. You should kind of look at this bracketed list and sublists and say, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, this didn't seem like much, but when you really break it down, there's a lot. There's a lot of energy that goes into creating the holiday magic. Now comes the third step. Measure your holiday goals against your list. This cookie exchange. Do I know this group well? Will it bring me joy and connection? Or am I doing it with my husband's coworkers because I feel like I have to? Is there some sort of obligation that I ought to? Well, I'd rather do one with closer friends. Or maybe not at all. Maybe cookie baking or buying and exchanging is not your thing. 
maybe it just doesn't bring you joy. Or maybe you can't have gluten or sugar or any of that fun stuff, so it's kind of a drag. Whatever your reasoning, if it doesn't line up, you have permission to say no. Now, I know this year is going to be so different anyway, right? Most of these gatherings won't be happening. I'm not sure that a Zoom cookie exchange really can work. But there will be Zoom parties and maybe distance caroling. There's going to be plenty of things that we can still apply this filter to. I don't know about you guys, but I somehow feel just as busy. And I kind of can't comprehend why. And with the added heaviness of this year, I think it's more important than ever that we really do focus on what fills us up and what brings us ease and joy. For example, one of those things you start seeing going around is um, that sister gifting list. We're like kind of like the old chain letters. Like you send your address and you give five gifts and then five people or 15 people send you gifts and they do like that secret sister exchange. I am an aspiring minimalist. I'm not minimalist, but I, I, I want my house to be as simple as possible. We've kind of really pared a lot of things in our life down. So that gives me so much anxiety. I always say no to those. I'm like, sorry, guys, love you. But unless it's like experience based, I, I this gives me I can't have like 10 candles and socks and mittens that I'll never use in Southern California. So it's just knowing what works for you and what lines up with brings you joy and your goals. And if, you know, you're doing it because that's with a particular friend that you really want to connect with, maybe find another way that you guys can intentionally connect that brings you both joy this holiday season. So as you measure against this list, remove or decide ahead of time to say no to anything that doesn't line up. What's left should make you or your household members feel really good, loved, and excited. Whether you end up with five things or 50 things, we are all so different. But if we blindly enter the season saying yes to everything without any intention or some thought, then we're probably going to end up feeling really burned out and like it all flew by. So let's get to step four and really the second half of this plan What makes it a little bit different from most podcasts that you're hearing on the subject? This is the part where you share the list with your partner. You're either thinking, yeah, totally. We're that egalitarian household you talked about. He'll always help, always does. This will be great. We've divided up other tasks. Why wouldn't we divide up Christmas? This will be easy peasy. Or you're maybe laughing hysterically, imagining him in charge of the cookies or gifts or the holiday meal. Or if you're not laughing, you're having an anxiety attack because you may think that he's going to ruin grandma's special cookies. I don't want this program to be throwing our husbands or partners under the bus. This is not done with anger. This is not done to make fun of them. This is not done to say that they're useless or no good. No, no, no. That's not this conversation. So many partners in our generation, like I said, are doing more than any previous generation and are making the best effort to be in it with us. And that's awesome. So I invite you to bring your partner into the process. You're, well, you're not going to have much success if you don't. You may have done this part on your own. 
You may have come this far making the list of all the things you usually do, discerning it against your goals, that kind of thing on your own. Or maybe you and your partner have done it together. Either way works totally fine. But if you haven't had your partner involved, get them involved at this point. Explain your intent, how you've been feeling past holidays, how you'd like everyone to be able to feel this holiday. I know often for myself, I have always been a person that when I get stressed, I feel like I need to show everybody (laughs) that I have this pattern. I used to, I've, I've worked very hard to not do this anymore. But when I feel frantic, when I feel overwhelmed and stressed, I directly show it because I want people to like compensate and come and save me or like pat me on the back or, oh my goodness, you do so much or honey, let me take care of that. And it never works that way. Like that never happens. But I do, I get kind of frantic and I get kind of irritable and my whole family feels it. I get irritable. The kids get irritable. My husband comes home and notice I'm always irritable and it just cascades through the whole family. So be honest, say, hey, I notice when I get overwhelmed, I get grouchy and then we're all grouchy and then the holidays are that much less enjoyable. I'd like to prevent that this year. Or maybe it's, that's not your thing, but you end up feeling overwhelmed or you typically get a cold after the holidays because your immune system is depleted because you are wiped. Whatever it is, explain that to your partner. Show them this list that you've made or what you intend to make and the process. Show them all the crossed off items from the previous step. That may be exciting for a partner who usually witnesses you in holiday overwhelm. Or all of you normally feel the holiday overwhelm. They'll see that you've already done some good work and some good discernment in simplifying. And say, whew, all right, I already feel encouraged that it's not going to be so overwhelming this year. From there, decide together. Is there anything you want to handle? Is there anything you think would be easy for you to take on with your current workload, life load, whichever, so that we can both enjoy the holidays more? Is there anything I want to take off my plate? Anything that I don't enjoy doing or I really dread doing, but someone in the family, it's important to their ideal holiday, to their goal, or something that my partner truly enjoys? Is there something the kids can take on? Are they old enough that they can share some responsibility? What a sense of pride kids can have if they participate. And you know, I I think there's another group too, a group that, if we're being honest, really doesn't want to share these tasks. Holidays are special. These are our moments to shine. Like if you're the person that loves to entertain, that loves to craft or decorate or whatever it is, or maybe you just love the holidays in general. I mean, this is your moment. The holidays are your thing. In truth, I'm not entirely sure my husband will think through the gifts with as much care as I would. He would just, you know, whatever was quick and done. And okay, gifts are done. But did he put thought into it? Did he buy it from a sustainable local store? Um, Is it something that, yeah, so-and-so, you know, we can give them and they'll accept, but is it a really meaningful, thoughtful gift? Or maybe it's, I know how to make grandma's potatoes just right, and and somebody else won't be able to do it. It's with best intentions, but if we end up feeling tired, or if we feel like we created magic for everyone else except ourselves, 
it's worth looking and considering at changing. Can your partner take over meal preparation for a month or six weeks while you do additional holiday tasks? So what I talked about earlier was that person who maybe truly didn't want to give up the holiday tasks or share them with their partner. If it brings them joy and they are the creator of magic and holiday and they love that role, that is fine. But a way your partner can still engage and help out is say, hey, can you take point on making the kids lunches? Can you take point on making dinner for these weeks leading up to the holiday so I can focus my energy on making an awesome holiday for us and still having free time where we can get sleep, spend time together, whatever it is. We're in this right now. So we've made this list and done this system. And I was like, all right, husband, like, could you like do the gifts? Could you take care of um, at least getting like some of the family gifts done and then also giving them a list of things that um, ideas for the kids? And then I totally took it over. Like I took a break from recording. We had some lunch and we were hanging out and we were trying to get it done. And I took over. I was like, no, 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 no. You're not thinking of what we already have and what they need for their age. And so-and-so is going to want a reasonably priced gift. And so-and-so is going to want to give a gift of experience. And so I'm trying to like tailor it. And I totally took it over. I got out a pen and paper and I made a list and I spent like an hour doing some research. And I had to catch myself. Like I, I just was convinced that he wasn't going to do it well enough. And so it's a moment for me to be extremely honest with myself. Like, what are my expectations? Are my expectations, are they valid? Are they reasonable? Are they necessary? Right? Could I have prepared him better to succeed? Could I have jotted down a few notes? Hey, remember so-and-so has a small apartment or so-and-so really wanted this. Um, Please try to buy local if that means a lot to us. Um, I I just could have prepared him. I could have made a couple notes and said, these are things that I think about when I'm going through this process. I would really appreciate um, if you also consider these things when you do it. And here's our budget. And, you know, here's how we need to ship it. If I gave him whatever backstory, whatever information, whatever mental load items, whatever invisible load items are in the back of my mind that I'm keeping track of to complete the task. And this comes up all the time with other things too, from grocery shopping to cooking, like every day, not holiday stuff, medications, ointments for the kids, honey, what do I do for X, Y, Z? Or my daughter has some little eczema patches, like what ointment do I put on and how do I do it? And I was like, you don't know this really? What do I need to buy for X, Y, Z? It comes up all the time as we're trying to kind of even the load. And the truth is, I don't know because I have some kind of magical mom knowledge. I know because one, experience and time in the trenches. I've done it. I figured it out. I've tried different things. Or two, I probably Googled it. I called my mom or I Googled it. Huh, what ointment is best for this? And if that doesn't work, which one do you try? Like, I don't have some magical fairy, like... You are now a mother. Poof, you have all the knowledge in the world. No, I just accumulate this knowledge and hold it in my head over time. So what I see are two different options. As like I mentioned before, is is write it down. If I have a way that I prefer things are done or information that he needs to know how to do it, then I need to share it. I need to share it, jot it down, and then let it go. Okay, we use this brand. We need organic and gluten-free, dairy-free, et cetera. Please, please separate and wash the laundry this way. 
give them the information, give them the tools, knowledge, gouge, whatever you want to call it, and then let it go. And then two is, as I said, share with him, be very honest that, hey, the knowledge I have either comes from experience gained in the trenches, which you are welcome to gain on your own, or by consulting the instructions, medicine label, or like I said, Google. And another option with this, if you have the means, it's not the situation for everybody, but you can outsource. You can totally outsource so many of these things nowadays. I started ordering my cards online and the addresses are already printed. I've done it for two or three years now. And gosh, it simplifies the process so much. My account has the addresses saved. So this year, I don't even have to enter in. I think I have two or three new addresses. I just click, click, click through. We are going to be done so fast. You could outsource your meal. You could have your grocery shopping outsourced. There are concierge shopping services. There are all sorts of things. Even you can hire decorators for your houses. I know this is a thing of kind of um, you have to have the money and the means to do these sorts of things. So they're not applicable to everyone. So I don't like to focus on it. But if you are have the income and in a situation where your time is limited, but your funds are available, Absolutely, man. Outsource. If you can do it, go for it. It's different for every partnership. Pull on your strengths, on your partner's strengths, what each of you enjoy, work schedules, etc. Don't be afraid to ask and try something different than what you normally do. Hopefully with this new plan, you can even add some things in. Things with meaning. One-on-one time. Simple traditions. Do you have like a tradition that you've seen or heard of other people doing. You're like, gosh, that sounds like it would be amazing, but we just never have time or I never have the energy to prepare to make that happen. Well, this could be your chance. Take out things that don't fill you up and add in something really special. That could be a memory that lasts a lifetime for your family. Being slow and intentional, minimizing stress and getting plenty of sleep so you can stay healthy This is so important every year between the sugar and the processed foods and the lack of sleep and the stress. Like we just leave ourselves ripe for getting ill after the holidays. And especially this year, it goes without saying, like no one wants to be in that vulnerable state. So please make sure to take care of yourself. I can't wait to hear how this goes for you. I want you guys, if you try this out, be it in a full version, a bridge version, if you tackle one holiday and see how it goes, like just tackle Thanksgiving, man. We can't plan for anything. Just test it out. You got two weeks to go. Let me know what you think, how the discussion went, how setting a goal, what that was like, because I don't think we usually approach the holiday with that. We just want to go do all the things, right? We just want to have a great holiday and yes, yes, no, maybe, and we just kind of go at it without Hey, how do I want this holiday to feel? How do I want this holiday? What do I want to do this holiday? What kind of memories do I want to make? So if we come at it intentionally, figure out what's important, eliminate what's not, and then reevaluate who does what, I'm really, really, really curious how this goes for you. Please jump on the website, www.nancyelizabeth.com. Head on to the podcast page and you can comment. Let me know. I'm on social media at Hello Nancy Elizabeth and at Person Partner Parent Podcast. 
either one will have posts up. I want to hear how this goes for you. And I hope you have a holiday that is full of love, ease, memories, and joy. You deserve it. Thank you for listening. And as always, I hope you have a great day. 